Hello, this is Soul Hunter. You're listening to Power in Practice. You can find us at powerinpractice.com. The recording you're about to hear was done in North Carolina on November 12th, 2006 for the NC Edge conference. You can find more information about the event at ncedge.org. I recorded it onto an iPod with a Belkin recording attachment from a lapel mic. So the sound quality is definitely hearable. There is some ambient noise. It's the best I could do under the circumstances. I couldn't really wear a headset. I think the presentation went moderately well. I'm going to listen over the recording myself and rework the material. I didn't make some of the points I wanted to make, and I don't think some of the points came through as well as they could. Overall, though, I'm really happy with the way it went. The audience seemed to really enjoy the presentation. The topic is extreme dominance, and that's what I talked about, mostly in the context of my relationships. There's an air conditioner that runs for the first couple minutes of the presentation. So there's some background noise, but if I try and pull that out, the overall audio quality degrades. A little later in the recording, it gets a lot cleaner. So bear with it and see what you think of the whole thing. Anyway, have a good time, and I hope you find it informative. Bye-bye. P.S. The introduction at the beginning of this, the voice you're going to hear is Catherine Tact. She's uh, been a good friend for a while, and if you ever meet her, get a chance, say hi, you'll recognize her. No doubt you'll hear her from across the parking lot, so go up and just let her know that she's famous now. Thanks a lot. Okay, folks, I'm going to talk over you again. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Next up for the raffle, though, is a bunch of metal stuff. There is this... Horrendous looking aluminum paddle, by the way, that um, someone that, that I don't know and will never meet or play with needs to win. <laughs> um, and there are about four knives up here as well. So if you'd like to buy tickets, you can do it actually at the end of the presentation, and that'll give you 15 minutes, and we'll draw at the beginning of the next presentation. So I want to go ahead and get started. So um, this is Ken, otherwise known as Soul Hunter from New York. Um, hard tacks, all that good stuff. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Hello. Um, this, uh, this particular talk, class, whatever you want to call it, is not my normal, like, shtick. Um, I normally talk about protocol, house hierarchy, training, that sort of thing. Um, Kat didn't really think that was probably edgy enough for this event. Um, so we're going to come up, we're going to talk about a, a different topic entirely. Extreme dominance is sort of the name of this segment. And the easiest way to get started on that topic is to find out if anybody has a strong idea of what that term actually means. Anybody? Hands up or are we doing crickets? All right, crickets. I'll tell you what I think it means. Um... I have a tendency to assume that I do it, whatever it is, because people yell it at me all the time. They tell me I'm extreme and cold and mean and evil and wrong and all that stuff. Um, so I'm going to assume that I'm not a bad example of whatever extreme dominance happens to be. In my case, for this talk, I don't 
necessarily think we're going to go into too much specifics about how I play. You've seen, you know, all the edge play we can talk about. There's, you know, guns and knives and bleeding and choking and breath play and all that stuff. I don't necessarily know that the core of the topic lies in the specific physical acts of, of what we might be talking about. Because certainly there's a lot of people that play extremely heavily who might just be, you know, doing a top-bottom um, momentary negotiated scene. They might do it at a play party. I don't necessarily know that... Well, the, the, the facial stuff you just saw, I mean, a lot of people would find that very extreme, but I don't necessarily know that you could infer an enormous amount about the relationships of the people involved from what they were doing. So I think dominance, and certainly extreme dominance, is probably somewhat divorced from what exactly you're doing at that moment in time. So... As I was trying to figure out what, what it actually meant, the core thing that gets me in trouble when I'm talking seems to be that I don't have any particular problem with the concept of holding the lives of those in my service in my hand and cashing that in if I deem it necessary. So that seems to be the separating line. Excuse me? Um, I, I don't necessarily have an ethical problem with the idea of demanding the lives of someone in my service for my own purposes. Now, obviously, that's not something I'm likely to run into. Talk about death? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I, Talk about lives. Yeah, and, and it is. There's a lot of people who are willing to do edge play, and they're willing to take the risk that they might die in, um, during a scene with their dominant. They're willing to take the risk that something could go horribly wrong during a breath play scene and they may, you know, they may not come out of it, you know, that, that sort of thing. But to go a different step and to say, okay, well, you want to be in my service, you want to wear my collar, you want to have a tattoo of mine, you know, this is what, this is what that means. It means... In the end, you're not going to question the safety of an order. So, close your eyes and walk across a highway. I fully expect that that's what would happen. And they're walking. Can I tell you why I would give an order like that? I, I can't really think of a reason offhand, which might in fact make this more of an academic discussion than anything. Except it disqualifies an enormous number of people who might otherwise be interested in service, in, in serving me or the peers that, that I spend time with uh, most often. Most of those people are, are like that. The two or three tops and doms I really, really um, bond with all have that same kind of demand. It, it's not just an academic discussion because when you talk to a lot of people who would otherwise want a collar from you and you explain that, once they get done asking whether you're talking about an accident or, you know what I mean? They, they kind of go, wow, you're out of your mind. Um, I'm not going to do that. I don't, I don't particularly... Uh, 
I don't particularly want to give up that, that level of decision-making capacity to someone else. So it's apparently an important line. There's a, a line in the sand there that goes, if I'm in your service, I expect to second-guess your decisions or your orders. I expect that... <coughs> You know, what's one of those rules you, you hear a lot of people say when they're talking about their relationship? They'll say, uh, well, I'll give, I can give an order and she can choose to obey or leave. And I'll give an order and if she has questions, she can always come to me and ask a question. Or he can always expect clarification. Or he can kind of call a time out and we'll sit down and we'll talk about it and I'll, I'll give him my reasons and... You know, he or she will agree and we'll, we'll go on with our lives. When you step past that, that seems to me to be where people have a tendency to, to get angry. So I'll assume that that's, that's a different thing. You know, it's a, it's a different territory. So, that being said, how many, how many committed or, or dom-sub relationships are in the room? As opposed to singles. Okay. Are any of you currently running a set of rules in your relationship that would preclude refusal as an option? Even, and I'm counting, she can refuse, but that would be the end of the relationship. So is there anyone who, in spite of a flat-out refusal, would still maintain to themselves the right to continue whatever it was they were doing? So we're we're it, uh, I think. Well, before, yeah. Yeah. So maybe three or four people find that to be reasonable. Can you say that again? Yeah, sure. Um, for the question was for those of you who are in a relationship right now, um, or have someone in your service. A lot of people have a rule that says if she or he refuses an order, that's their right. But then the relationship is over, right? That's my way or, or the highway is the phrase that, that is sometimes popular. The next step from that, the, the, the step again that seems to go into from dominance into extreme dominance is I give an order, you refuse, it happens anyway, and when we're done, it might mean that you're no longer valuable to me. You know, because I have no intention of dealing with that refusal in the future. I'm sorry, I, I just want to clarify. Yeah, by all means. Are you using the example of having somebody cover their eyes and walk across the highway as an example of an extreme rule that you would expect them to follow because all of your rules are followed? Right. With, with that exception. There's not an example where you had somebody do that, you're using that as an example of. Well, that, that particular example, no, thank you. Um, um, <laughs> I've done some things with uh, guns that have certainly tempted people to balk um, at it, so that kind of goes that way. But you've done some things with um, particular wardrobe choices out in public. Uh, yes. Wait, let's let's jump from the topic of death for a moment because it sometimes it's sometimes it's hard for people to get their brain around. Let's go down to something a little a little more within the sphere of of common experience. How many people who are in relationships with submissives have a rule that says that they will not give an order that will interfere with livelihood or family? Okay. 
now ditch that, ditch that criteria and you're looking at, um, you know, I have a, I, I'm pretty straight, you know, meat and potatoes and my fetishes. So I'm big on schoolgirl outfits, you know, really big on schoolgirl outfits. Um, Tatsumi happens to live and work at the time within 15 miles of the same places. So they were all the same restaurants and all the same diners with the um, financial institution business analysts that she dealt with on a daily basis. My wardrobe choices are decidedly unsafe in those circumstances. Had Tatsumi balked at actually putting it on, and certainly her body language indicated that that was a, a strong possibility. Well, I, it depends. For me, it's just uncomfortable and embarrassing. In, in my worldview, it's almost trivial, you know. So she loses a job. You know, she's a, you know, she's a, even saying it out loud makes her uncomfortable now. But she loses a job. She's smart. She's talented. She didn't have that much seniority anyway. She'll get another job. What's the big deal? Um, so for me, that, for me, that's that's fairly casual. For her, it's obviously the end of the world because she happens to be one of those, um, what do you call yourself, a grasshopper? Yeah. You're a, a grasshopper to my... Oh, yes, you're the ant to my grasshopper, right? So she's all about, you know, stability, money, planning for the future, and I'm kind of like, that skirt looks really good on you, you know? <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, you get another job, it's all right, not a big deal. Um... Tatsumi might very well have decided to balk at that order. It was a possibility, and she was certainly tempted. It's probably 50-50, depending on my mood, whether in the face of that balk... Okay. In classic Mythbusters fashion, there was a 10% possibility that we would talk about why there was a problem. And I might actually be nice Ken... And we would talk about it, and then she would wind up doing it anyway, but at least we'd have had a discussion. Um, there was a fairly solid possibility that we would, as we have in the past, that would be the end of the power dynamic. And I love her, and we'll date, and we'll spend time together, but you're not in my service if you're not prepared to follow my orders. And then there was a fairly large possibility, if I was in a really bad mood, that she would have wound up at that restaurant in that outfit one way or the other. You know, guaranteed to make a scene. Um, probably kicked out of the car in the parking lot, maybe. Um, it's, it's a possibility. Another one would be, uh, well, the same, the same example had family. Um, at the time, Tatsumi was living with her parents because that's where the work was. There's no way to go in and out of that house in that outfit without going through the kitchen where everyone was at the time. Oh, well, you know, she's a big girl. We've been, in her parents' mind, dating for a while. I'm assuming they're not going to, maybe erroneously assuming that they're not going to actually disown her or attempt to forbid us from seeing each other for all the good that would do um, over what amounts to a miniskirt. I mean, it's, 
it's a miniskirt. It's plaid, it's short, it's cute, there's a white shirt. Obviously, it's a fetish. Obviously, I'm like 10 years older than her. Obviously, I'm a pervert, right? But, but go on with it. And that's why I say the specifics are not really important because the specifics almost change from person to person. To me, we're talking about five minutes of embarrassment in the miniskirt. To her, we're talking about the loss of a job and the possible disownment of a family. And we're not going to get together on that. You know? We're not going to agree. And in the end, I'm going to make a decision and that's the way it's going to go. That seems to get me in trouble. I'm assuming because of the, the nature of this event that that's not nearly as disturbing or shocking to this particular crowd um, as it is to a fair number of, of groups. And that's, that's good. You know, that's, that's just fine. So, so there you go. That's, that's kind of extreme dominance defined by example. You know, most dom-sub relationships have a wide variety of activities in the middle with certain inviolate things. Job, family, maybe job, not family, maybe family, not job. And everybody gets to, you know, a lot of relationships are structured so that somebody can, can refuse. I refuse to do this. And now, as the dom, your response is, you know, accept the refusal, terminate the relationship, Shooter, bury the body, call your friends, whatever that happens to be. I'm kind of firmly in, when I'm in a good mood, I'm firmly in, okay, we'll just end the relationship. When I'm in a bad mood, well, we were talking about wanting to kill people um, before, and, and since when I'm not angry, I'm thinking about killing people. When I get angry, <laughs> It, it really comes to the forefront. Um, I'm a little more balanced than that. Mostly, jail works as a deterrent. Um, you know, um, sanity in this case is not not wanting to do bad things, but being aware of the consequences. Um, and I don't like them, and so you live. Uh, you're just a system in action, preventing murders every single day. Um, interestingly enough, death penalty doesn't enter into it. It's mostly the jail time. <laughs> um, short, fast trial and a firing squad. I don't know. If I'm really mad, that might be an okay trade. Um, so, so if that's what extreme dominance is, then... Yeah. Get out of certain orders. I mean, I feel like I'm extreme. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm thinking long term. Maybe I'm older than you. But I've had a hard enough time finding someone who's actually submissive. Right. Well, well, and and that's a that's a really good point. No, no. I want them to have a job, and I want them to have a decent relationship with their family. Well, the 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 point really is um, more a matter of judgment. You know, I obviously would that not have. Exactly yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I have no intention of having to support. You know, without her income, you know, at least in the short term, I have no intention of working that hard. I like the money. I want the money. Right. If I thought I was ending her ability to make money, it wouldn't. The outfit's not worth it. Right. But any individual job, which I consider temporary to begin with, you know. 
okay, I, I, I might do it. Um, especially because in that particular case, it was not necessarily, it was not necessarily about putting a miniskirt on for tonight. You know, as part of training, as part of reshaping personalities, you know, wardrobes define priorities, or wardrobes reflect priorities. Forcing a change of her wardrobe was realigning her priorities. So there was much more at stake than just, you look good in a miniskirt and I'm hard. It seems to me that the job and the family is kind of like the jail time. It's something that moderates your behavior but has little to do with what you want and what you expect. Well, certainly her, her, her job and, and her family have almost nothing to do with what I want, um, you know, kink-wise. No, no, jail time simply prevents it. Her family has much less influence than that. Um, in fact, the only moderation that her family really manages to exert on me is I like them. You know, fortunately, they happen to be good people, and thus I will not attempt to destroy the universe they've built around them. Um, the separation between the moderation <coughs> behavior versus the desire to do so. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. There's an enormous number of things I desire to do on a minute-by-minute -minute basis, um, even now, that, uh, that are moderated, you know, obviously only by consequence, but... Would you talk a little bit about um, the concept of honor in your servants and how uh, an honorable person would end their time with you? Do we have to talk? <laughs> well, us? No. Okay. <laughs> um, because the answer, the answer under those circumstances, you can't and there isn't. So there you go. Um, no, well, actually, it ties, it ties kind of into what you were saying. Why, why even worry about it? You know, why even go and think about this stuff and go, okay, obviously the possibility that I'm going to require the death of one of my girls is slim to non-existent, right? So why worry about it? And most people don't. And the answer is, I can't help it. I'm... I'm I think in terms of hierarchy and framework and domain and limitations on action um, and oddly considering the casual disregard for most of other people's happiness, ethics as, as they apply solely to me are very important. So before I ever took control of someone, I had to figure out whether I thought I had the right to kill them. You know, I had to figure out whether it was necessary to me for them to understand what being in service meant. And I can't think about it and not go all the way to the end and say, could I do this? You know? So, obviously there are a lot of orders I can give that I wouldn't give under normal circumstances, but I, have, I, I can't help it, but figure it out. You know, is it a possibility? Could I do it? Would I do it? Um, and why? You know, what's, what's the purpose? What's the purpose in having people under you at the moment, too? Um, what's the purpose in having people under you who are at least hopefully, you know, loyal to that point, loyal to the point of arbitrary loyalty? And to me, in the end, it all comes down to freedom of action. You know what I mean? I... I have more options acting in the world if I have people under me who are loyal than if I don't have them. 
I have more energy, I have more hands, I got more brains working for me, I got more people working for me. And the further they'll go for me, the more options I have and the more power I've amassed and eventually, you know, you get 15, 20,000 of these people together, you can start taking over small nations and that's not a bad idea. Um, and, well, you know, it's, 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 it's a joke, but, but when, when you think it through, no, 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 when you think it through, you know, and this, this is a question I, I wound up getting all the time and it's, it's one of the answers I wound up having to figure out how to give which is you would talk about this and people would go, well, I get it. I understand why people would serve. Well, first you go, well, you know, they'll follow whatever order. And, and it's not something you just sort of drop in a conversation. Usually it comes up because people are talking about DS topics and they'll mention a limit and you'll mention maybe that's not a limit for everybody and then they flip out and then you wind up talking about it. And they'll go, well... <laughs> It's wrong to ask someone to be arbitrarily loyal and put the orders of someone else above their own thought process. And you, or if you're me, you go, well, no, actually that happens all the time, right? There's, history is rife with people who are willing to subsume their will to something they find worthwhile to an arbitrary degree. A religion, a leader, a country, a cause, a nation, whatever. And in the end, I realize that my ego is actually so large that I'm probably as good as any of that. <laughs> you know, it's, you think about the people humans are willing to have died for in history, and people have a tendency to think of those types of humans as fundamentally other. You know, either other evil or other good. People died for Churchill, people died for Stalin, people died for you know, kings and, and queens and all this, you know, popes and religions, I don't happen to find those people to be particularly different than me. You know, they might have been more of whatever, braver, stronger, better idea, but I don't think that the time of that sort of loyalty is gone. So I demand it because I can, because, you know, if I've got three and a half square feet of room that I own, then everybody in that three and a half square feet of room is going to do whatever the fuck I tell them. Um, and if it's two feet, then I can't fit as many people in, but they'll do what I tell them. And if it's just me, then I'll do what I tell me, and, and, <laughs> and we'll be fine with it. <laughs> but the more people you have, the bigger that space gets. Um, you know, and it's, and it's fascinating. But anyway, we're off topic. Um, what, what, maybe not. One of the things I always found fascinating about, about that sort of loyalty is that once you start demanding it, people have a tendency to start offering it. People give it. You know? Um, and I wasn't really sure why that was. And in the end, I think it's because look, there's a, a level of submission that you can force from people. You know, like if we're talking dictionary dominance, dominance is control, okay? I can dominate a group of people with a gun because of their fear of getting shot. They'll do within broad boundaries what I tell them to do. I am in control. They have submitted to that control. I'm dominant. It only takes you so far. And then, 
and, and then inspiration has to kick in. There has to be a reason. They have to start offering you service. And it turns out that if you start thinking of yourself as one of the people who expects and is worth that level of service, other people start buying into it. Um, and then you run into a couple who really believe it, and then they start doing it, and then they see one of them do it, and they figure it's a good idea, and somebody else joins. And hopefully that sort of spreads out through the population as a whole. Um, so by this time next year... <laughs> Look at the person next to you. Yeah, yeah. Look at the people to your right and your left. One of the three of you next year will be my thrall. Um, You know, I admire those people, so don't get me started. So actually, well, it, it, but, but Tatsumi predictably brought up the idea of, of how do you get out of that? Um, how would you get out of that sort of service if you, if you wound up in it? And service is easy to get out of, you know, at least, at least for me. You're out of service if you choose to not want to be in service. The way that meshes with what I said before was that it doesn't actually have to happen right then. You know, if you, if you were to refuse to obey me, eventually that will become more trouble than it's worth. And off you go into the ether. But now we're talking about... A sort of thin line difference between. Wow, do we really want to get into this? Okay. Ownership versus dominance. Ownership versus dominance versus service. We already talked about I can dominate people just through fear and pain. Um, anybody can. It's not the type of dominance we typically like to talk about in the BDSM community. We're using a variation of the term, you know, a narrow, kind of consensual, fuzzy, we're having relationships. Um, version of the term, but that's not necessarily dominance. Dominance is simply, at its core, power and influence. I can force action and I can prescribe the actions someone else can take. I'm dominant over them. Ownership would be at least as it's going to apply for this discussion, I think you achieve ownership when the person you're talking about has an almost fundamental inability to disobey. If they have simply, for reasons of their own, because you can't do it through fear, they have a hard time imagining what it would be like to disobey an order if push really came to shove. You know, would they not, just really up against the wall, choose not to do X? and face those consequences, right? So that's ownership. Service is this other thing. Service is inspiration, um, willing, willingness, to, a willingness to go out of their way for you, a willingness to you know, dedicate their lives to you, lay down their life for you, give you all their money, let you name their pets, choose a religion, tell them how to vote, you know, that stuff. Um, you can have all of those basically independently. Um, I know not very non-dominant people who have ownership over other people. In the vanilla world, there are a lot of basically normal love-based relationships that are exactly that way. 
You know, people, people own each other. The idea that you would defy your partner and bring pain upon them is almost something that, that one of the two partners can't conceive of, but there would be no overt dominance. Um, dominance can obviously be divorced from ownership and service, and service is, is this thing, this inspiration, um, this inspiration deal. Uh, you know, my life for you kind of very, very Stephen King-esque, um, very Lancelot, all that, that happy goodness. Um, extreme dominance then, to me, is that crossover point where, where ownership turns into service, turns into, um, or when all that comes together. If I, if I own someone and they're in service to me, then there's really nothing that I can't ask them to do for me or order them to do for me and that they wouldn't actually do for me. Hopefully. Because I haven't tried it all. Um, though, though the fish hook thing, the, the nose thing, that was good. And I'll have to try that. I haven't done it. Probably her. There you go. Um, any questions? Anybody? Anything? This? No. But I don't do very much specific to engender it, at least deliberately. And I think that's probably part of part of the trick, if there's a trick. Um, I don't know, was there ever a time when I was speaking to either of you where I, I indicated that, that it wasn't ever headed that way if anybody was going to be with me? No, right? Pretty clear up front. Right. I don't know that it's ever been any different since I was like 14, you know? Um, there was a crazy year in front of that where things were radically confused, but... Um, but, but from kind of 14 on, it, it was pretty clear that that was, that was exactly the way I wanted it to be, you know. Um, the relationships don't start out there. But to a very real sense, those relationships don't exist until they get there. You know, Tatsumi is a great example because, what is it, 10 some odd years now? Okay, so eight years or forever. Um, of eight years, I would say I've probably owned her for four, and she's been in service for maybe three, or, or maybe even two if we're really counting from the tattoo. Um, before that, we had you know, a number of very short-lived ownership relationships, um, which fell apart. Um, we had some top-bottom stuff. We you know, did some weekend play. We did whatever it was we were doing. Um, so our relationship built, but ownership and service are fairly atomic concepts. You know, you're, you're either going to, you can't own somebody for the weekend. You can't kind of, you know, to me, you can't kind of half do it, right? So she had to spend a lot of time getting to know me and in a very real way deciding whether I was worth that kind of effort or, or that kind of service. Um, and eventually, you know, came to the conclusion that I was. The service thing I didn't have a whole lot to do with. The ownership thing I deliberately went out of my way to 
attempt to bring about, um, mostly with threats. Um, and, and in fact, probably it was a threat that put it over the top at, at the end. Um, because Tatsumi happens to be wired in the sense that if my working theory is that if I were to leave it up to her to decide whether or not I owned her, the answer is always going to be no. The question itself implies a lack of confidence that probably precludes the answer I want. Um, so I was like, uh, you know, in the end I was just frustrated and angry. And I was like, okay, here's the way it is. Well, oh, if I find you, if I find out that you fuck anybody but me without permission, I'm killing you and beating the shit out of him. And that's the way it's going to be. And at the, certainly at that moment, I absolutely meant it. The jail time thing, not really an issue. Wasn't thinking about it very much. <laughs> you know, I was right. And, I, and we weren't having an argument. I was just tired and frustrated of the whole thing. And by the time the sentence was over, she was like, right. That makes perfect sense to me. Um, but I could have waited another 10 years before she had ever gone, okay, you have the right to choose who I sleep with. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. So all I would suffer is an ass whooping. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Nice. Thank you. You know, it is your, it is your club. This, this does grant you a certain amount of domain. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to use the term loyalty, I guess. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and, and you of all people know it's, it's maybe, maybe the gun thing. <laughs> um, but, but fortunately, none of the tests were actually happening at a time where she was actually in danger. Um, she didn't know that. She had certainly lost count of how many bullets there were laying around on the table. Um, but, but that was... You know, I, I certainly didn't, I've never asked her to do anything that I didn't want her to do. Um, though I can certainly imagine situations where if the, if the thing she thought she was agreeing to actually happened, I wouldn't have been happy with that. You know, so, you know, you would think of it as a mind fuck. Um, except it's, it doesn't have that, that level of play to it, you know. So if I put a gun in Tetsumi's mouth... And, you know, she thinks it's loaded, and I'm pretty sure it's not loaded, and we're, you know, we're doing our thing. And, uh, hey, I had, a, I had a gun instructor who told me I was never sure enough that a gun wasn't loaded, so I always qualified in his honor. So I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not loaded, and, um, and I pull the trigger. I'm asking her, even at that moment, to communicate acceptance. Um, certainly, I don't have to ask her to communicate acceptance because she's stuck with it anyway. But, but body language, you know, we're looking and seeing whether there's a problem here. Obviously, I didn't want to shoot her. So. I kind of take that a different way in that I will give them the low 
Oh. Yeah. Or <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a suspicion they have that doubt of what really, really heavy loaded weapon um, you're you're probably loved to a degree I'm not. Uh, <laughs> um, and 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 joking aside, there would be no quandary. Um, when a gun comes out, they kind of evaporate. You know, they they. You know, so if I were to actually hand it and and go, okay, point it at me and pull the trigger, she might be slow, and uh, but yeah, sure she'd do it. Maybe slow. Um, and the reason I say that is because gunplay, these kind of things, this this my life for you loyalty testing. Um, which isn't so much of a test; it's just a natural consequence of expecting that sort of loyalty is a situation I don't expect to only be true in the middle of happiness. You know, scene, joy, preparation, you know, you're tied tight and there's an orgasm coming and we're doing this thing. Um, there have been a couple of times when, well, at least once that I can really think about when there was a gun involved, when there was some genuine resentment and anger and sarcasm involved. You know, she was not happy about it all. I mean, happy because guns make her happy, but but not... She wasn't under. She wasn't in a very docile state of mind. Tatsumi does not have a great experience with guns in her life. So I believe there's a casualness to the act of pulling a trigger that, that, that she, might, she might do it just to be funny. <laughs> not, not really thinking it all through, you know. Here, take this. Hey, you know. Um, I, I actually had a... Just to riff off that for a second, I had a situation that, that was humorously related, but not nearly the same relationship dynamic. Flag had a girl for a while who was um, a dominant that I, I spent a lot of time working with. He had a girl who was um, seriously off the wall, right? Just like, like just very at his throat in a Cato, Inspector Clouseau kind of way. Um, and it was a week after I'd met him. And they're fighting across this table in this diner in New York. And she's trying to hit him with stuff. And he's, like, kicking her under the table. And, and, and in fact, one of that relationship is one of the reasons he doesn't tolerate that crap anymore. But as she was looking around, I handed her a knife. Because I thought it would be funny. Because I thought I was dealing with people. Handed it to her, and fortunately it was a butter knife because that's what I had at the time. And she literally like launched herself over the table at it. Um, so I don't, I don't count on um, the restraint of submissives um, as a as a as a strong guideline there. Um, so I owe you an answer, right? Still okay. Service is service you can just walk away from. Now that, now that we have my definition of service. service. If you are serving, you're serving because you believe that the person you're serving has some intrinsic value based on your, you know, I am something you wish to further in the world. You, I have your service and off we go. 
if that stops, then your service would stop. Even though you may want, I may be able to force you to stay in the house and wear the collar, you couldn't serve. You could only act, right? But we've fallen back to ownership. I might not know if I wasn't paying attention. If I knew it, we have to do something about the tattoos. So skin's coming off, so, you know, we have to figure all that out. But ownership on the flip side, you can't do anything about. So you're stuck with it. Um, yes? I'm having a problem determining what your hierarchy is, referring to ownership and service. I used to have it very, very strictly in my mind. I used to have, I used to go, we would play, and then there was dominance, and then I owned you, and then there was service. Because to me, service is the most valuable of those states, right? If I had to pick, I would rather have someone in service to me than own them. Okay? And you're saying that the difference is no, the difference is, is, is their personality. You know? You say if you own someone, they have to do it. Regardless. They have to do it. They have to do it regardless. But if they're serving you, mm-hmm. they're doing it because... Because, they, because in the end, they want to. Yeah, so that's the matter of choice. Right. But to you, then the hierarchy, the highest value to you is someone who chooses... I think the I think the failure in our in our communication comes in the word choice. And and and, and it's 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 an important one. No. I do not choose to Okay, I go to a martial arts dojo. I have a sensei. I give my sensei a certain level of respect. I do not choose to do so. The act is volitional. Uh, certainly there are no negative consequences to me. I could just not go. I could not show up. I can't not show. I can't not. My, my ethics, my belief system, my personality brings me to this point where that is how I treat that person. So it's, it's, it's my choice, but I don't have a choice. Does that make you're sense? You're saying that you don't feel you have a choice, that you're, always, that you're, you're bound to do that regardless. If it were to turn out that I was acting in a different way, my self-image would have radically altered. Okay, and so you're calling that service? That's to me. That's that service. You didn't. Did you make a conscious choice to serve? No. no you I woke up one day, and I just had been doing it. And and while we're talking about it, what did it actually mean? To be in service as opposed to, not the definition, but, but as a practical matter in your life, did it make your life easier or harder? Harder. Other than the esoteric concept of being in my service and that, what were the benefits? Did you get more sex? More play? Right? No. No. Just... Work. Right, just more work. But you wanted the status, right? And and that's that's kind of that thing. So I, she has a choice not to serve. If she doesn't serve, she doesn't have that status. 
but her personality doesn't actually allow her to not. She wants it. In the same way that she couldn't turn out to be a thief. You know, she's just not, she's not that person. She's not wired that way. So is it, is it, is it a real, okay, under, under normal circumstances, she, she's not prone to thievery. Um, is it a choice for her to be a basically honest person? And it's not a choice. She doesn't have to make that decision every... She has to exert her will to not make bad decisions, right? This is... We're way off the rails from practicality, but... But she has to exert her will to not do bad things. The urges come up, just like I do. You know, I have the urge to do things that are outside my, my core personality all the time. But I don't. I'm tempted, but I avoid it. But I, I don't make a choice not to do it. I just... I just remember what I'm, you know, my personality. At some point, you had to make a choice to decide that this is this is so important to you that you're not going to need to make a choice about it in the future. You say, when I run into this situation, this is what I'm going to do. At some point, you did choose that. And then, and then it makes your life simpler because you no longer had to think about whether you're going to do it or not. A fine point, and one I disagree with. Um, and, and, and there's no way to argue past it. You know what I mean? Yeah. May I flip this around for just a moment? Sure. And by no means an extreme semester. Just for, for, for the Just in case we were yeah. going to hit you with right. something. No. The point I wanted to make is recently in a discussion with Ben, I tried to explain the difference between being a submissive and her submissive. When it came to telling her about something, as a I have no problem whatsoever telling her, this is bugging me, this is wrong. As her submissive, the thought of saying, this is bothering me, this is wrong, wasn't there. The thought was, what am I doing wrong? Couldn't have been her if, what am I doing wrong? What can I do to make my service to her better? So it's not a matter of I chose not to tell her or I chose to do that. It was simply a level of ability that the mindset isn't there as her submissive to be able to say, you're doing something wrong. It's I must be doing something wrong. And I think what you're saying is for you and for those who serve you, it's the same kind of thing. It's not that you're saying she can't do it. It's yes, the ability to do that. Yeah, well, are you conscious of having had a discussion or debate with yourself where you chose to put yourself in then in that state? Oh, it, it, it just, it happened. It, as when, when I asked <coughs> her for permission to serve her, which is what happened, that's what I was offered. Whether I could have labeled it that completely uh -huh. or that... No, but that is in effect what I was giving her was the ability for me to say, hey, that, you know, because it's, it's just part of what it is to me, to be a submissive. Now, when you offered her that level of control, do you consider that, it's my experience that it, most of the people who are, are serving the way I'm talking about, by the time they say it and ask for permission to serve, it is a done deal. 
Yeah, pretty much. Right? Yeah. Five minutes before you offered and she took, if she had told you to go do something, would you have been like, hey, yeah. you know, I don't have a thing. I want a ring and we're, you know. No. No, right? And, and what, what my goal was is, and before I asked her, <laughs> ten minutes before she thought of asking me to do something, I would have had it taken care of. Right. So it was, it was that kind of preemptive, anticipatory thing. Because she doesn't need to worry about that crap. She doesn't need to ask me stuff. Her time is better suited doing other things. And what I get out of it is she has that time to do the other things. And occasionally she goes, thank you. Hey, what more do I do? I like you. <laughs> Hang out with him. <laughs> what? You had your hand up. Okay. So, right, so that was kind of rambling. But that's all right. We're late for dinner. And that's it. The hunger's making me weird. Um, you asked about the hierarchy, you know, and I, it used to be that way in my mind. I was like, you went through this urge to bottom to me, and then you submitted to me, and then I owned you, and then you served me, you know? And, and it was very clearly like steps along a path, greater and greater control. I was just having problems keeping it straight in my mind. That's why I asked you yeah. that out. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying it's there's it's fl- Yeah, but it, it, and it used to be that way, but now it's, it's much flatter to me. You know, it's... I mean, it's asymptotic. I mean, you're not going to get perfection. No. No, I mean, there's always, they're always going to balk at something. It's just a matter of what happens when the balk hits. You know? And, and obviously, you can never be a thousand percent sure. You can never go, okay, well, somebody will do anything you want them to do. And, and actually, really, for sure, know in all the cases, in all the circumstances, in all the world that that's exactly how it's going to go. Um, but as sure as you can be of people, right, that's, that's how, how, how sure I try and be of my people. Anybody else? Anything? No? Okay. Five minutes left. Mention raffle. <laughs> okay. Does everybody have the raffle tickets for their knives and their, their big metal paddle? No, oh, they're gonna buy them in when I'm done in the fifteen minute break. You can comment if you want Pastor Dyke donated the knives. Well this one I I like. The big one. Do you need a demo bottle? For this? Oh, no. Knives I have all the time. It's the big metal paddle I don't normally get a chance to play with. Do you need a knife of your very own, honey? I didn't think so. All right, that's my time. Enjoy it. Have a good, uh, have a good event. Hey, this is Soul Hunter again. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. Uh, Power and Practice will be back soon with more podcasts, including more with uh, Kamiko and Tatsumi and Daddy David and Flag. So hopefully you guys can look forward to that, and we'll see you soon.